0: is Heart of the Enneagram with Sandra Smith
1: and Chris Copeland.
0: Join us as we explore the depth and complexity of the Enneagram system. And I also am so grateful to our guests, many of whom talked about the body, meditation, presence, their own personal growth, You know these are things we cultivate it's not necessarily read in a leadership book but to have that moment of coming to the cushion as bill said or grounding practices i was so impressed with that greetings chris on this fine north carolina morning
1: ah yes good morning sandra Uh, From Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Um, it's good to be with you again for this final episode of season six. Hard to believe we're we're at the end.
0: Yes, and what a fine season on leadership this has been. I've learned a lot from our guests um, on leadership strengths and
1: some of their challenges. It's been great. And we've had some amazing exemplars uh, as our guests, really kind of embodying those, as you name the strengths and challenges of leadership for the types. But, you know, we didn't have a chance to hear from all of the nine types. So uh, one of the things we talked about doing Sandra in this episode is really naming the gifts, the challenges and also the sensibilities of each of the nine types just to help our our listeners get a sense of uh, their own type and those with whom they work and live.
0: Yes, let's do it, Chris
1: all right cool so let's start with the heart center and we'll start with type two and again thinking about strengths of twos as leaders they are connectors right because of relationships are so central to who they are so their ability to kind of assess the gifts of others um, and helping them bring the people together into the tasks that they uh, most can excel in um, they organize groups really well and um, they have a great gift for presenting uh, an organization's product or service, really being able to talk about what that's about. So they have, a, because of that relationship orientation, they're very approachable. Those are some of the gifts that I would name for two. You know, where challenges come in really is maintaining good boundaries for self-care. You'll, you, are, you, know, you may remember that twos have a hard time saying no, and they can sort of meet the needs of what's arising, particularly others. And so setting good boundaries, caring for self can be really hard. Um, and then noticing, really, for our two friends, noticing when your hidden agenda uh, might be in play, as this can create a sense of mistrust as a leader. So being mindful of that, we say, for our twos. Um, the sensitivity for type 2 is being rejected or um, underappreciated. This is where they, real real, um, their sensitivity really gets touched uh, or even a sense of uselessness. So these are some things to keep in mind as we think about the leadership style of type two.
0: And for type three leaders, this is a high energy solution oriented leader and their drive for success and the way they inspire and motivate can really draw people to them and have them sign on To the vision that threes offer. Um, They are efficient. Three leaders get a lot done. They can name the expectations and the tasks needed to get the job done and make that clear for people who um, they serve. The pacing for type three can be a little fast and sometimes they'll outrun the emotions. So it's important for three leaders to slow the pace a bit and to also allow an emotion to arise if an employee is feeling that or if they are feeling that and if it's appropriate in the workplace. So to slow the pace so others can keep up with them and so that we're not pushing aside emotions because emotions have a lot to tell us. They can get overextended. They rush on to the next project very quickly. And we encourage three leaders at the point of ending a project to process, evaluate and celebrate that with all employees. It's always good to name our successes and to celebrate them. And employees probably need uh, more ear time with type three leaders. Uh, Threes are looking for a quick fix, but employees may need to hear from them a bit more to keep in mind that for type three, real leadership emerges in the middle ground between being and doing or in the integration of those two when you bring presence to your doing. The sensitivities for type three tend to be the pace, not realizing how fast they go and sensitive to being slowed down and feeling inefficient. Efficiency is the poison for three. So when I feel any, inefficient, if I'm a three, ooh, there's a real sensitivity there, as well as a sensitivity to not being liked. And that sensitivity really can get in the way of effective leadership.
1: Yeah, that's great. You know, um, we had a guest uh, that we interviewed, Sandra, Monica Tanako, uh, who's a coach um, and leader in Mexico City, who talked a bit about what you're naming here, particularly this, this question of authenticity and how she can be authentic. And let's listen to her talk about that as a type three.
2: I've learned along the way to bring authenticity to it. You know, there are so many times in the course of a day, of any given day, that I can now notice that exact moment when I can go exactly direct, directly to gaining admiration and gaining, you know, whatever I want or being authentic first.
0: I so appreciated that that place of catching. Am I authentic or am I performing? As she described, I was present Became authentic, and then the real connection occurred. So beautiful.
1: Yeah. So let's uh, shift our attention then to type four, and and naming some of the strengths here is fours really lead um, with a kind of creativity and vision. This ability to do out of the box thinking uh, and problem solving. You know that desire for specialness and uniqueness carries over into the work field or whatever field that people are are leading in. Um, When they can be creative and kind of say, let's create an image of difference or uniqueness. Um, The desire for meaning is really a great gift. The sort of question of like, how do we make meaning? What does this mean? Really helps um, engage and I think excite and motivate others uh, that they're working with. Um, you know, remembering for our four friends uh, to spend just hangout time <laughs> with uh, their coworkers or their team or whoever they're in relationship with, spending some time exercising that empathy uh, and connecting with people is a really important thing to do. And matching the level of intensity uh, in others rather than wanting them to match yours is a good reminder for our four friends in leadership. You know, some of the challenges here is being able to expand uh, the filter, uh, including what you appreciate, because you'll remember the focus of attention goes to what's missing, and sort of that's where the attention can go if a four isn't mindful. So this ability to notice things and appreciate what is, that can really go a long way, again, to supporting those that you're working with, those that you're on a team with. Uh, The sensitivity for four is this fear of their work being seen or experienced as ordinary, (laughs) you know, ordinary is what fours like to avoid. Um, And also there's this real sensitivity, you know, and, and there can be gifts in that, but a real challenge um, here and a sensitivity for the type four is being sensitive to other people's words, just, and, and fours can take it as a slight, you know, as a sort of personal affront. And so just being really mindful about that.
0: So looking at type five, entering the head triad, fives do analysis well. They have great capacity for research, for keeping up with the latest happenings and updates in their field of expertise. They tend to create a strong vision and employees or those who follow the lead of type five tend to be pretty impressed with how they pull information together and the thoroughness of their research. And their facts are usually spot on. Fives focus on the facts, statistics, data, that is relevant to the workplace, great asset from type five. And fives often start with the details and allow the details to lead them into the big picture. Fives can be fascinating teachers and in and in teaching, they inspire because when fives discuss their thoughts and plans and direction for the work, it really can excite employees. And at this point, fives need to remember to create avenues and systems to relay that information because fives can stay in the head and think about it, think through things and forget to relay it. So because they're good at setting up systems, it would be important to set up that system of informational flow and allow it to come both ways. So a system that allows others to bring forth their ideas to the vision. Another challenge for type five is they stay in their office processing, thinking, and planning. And for five leaders, it's always nice for them to move beyond the the office walls into The break room or have casual conversations with those they serve so they get to know uh, them better, to build relationality. That's a key piece and a challenge for five, and to offer praise and affirmation for the work of others. It is also helpful if fives share more information than they think they need to. Fives love to problem solve alone, but that isn't true for all of us. So they may project that onto others thinking they'll like to problem solve alone while others may actually need more help from fives than the five leader realizes. The sensitivities for this type is they can be sensitive to intrusions or too many demands because they fear being depleted. And we know that fives actually deplete themselves by overthinking and a lack of grounding in the thinking. The other place of sensitivity for the five leader is in um, a sensitivity to being seen as incompetent by others. And of course, this is the illusion of the type because none of us would see a five as incompetent, but that is a sensitivity to be aware of.
1: Yeah, nice, Sandra, thank you. So as we look then to type six, the second in our head triad, you know, thinking about the gifts here, our sixes are really great at uh, planning. And so having the ability to plan well, anticipate, problems or what might go wrong. This is really wonderful in terms of uh, being able to be prepared for what might come. Um, they also are really good because of that at problem solving, you know, noticing what the problems are and really kind of thinking, I think, creatively and strategically about how to solve problems. They also have a real, you know sixes have a great wit. Uh, there's a warmth and wit about them that uh, makes them uh, connects them to others and makes them approachable. And they, they bring a real loyalty, which is a a wonderful gift of six uh, to those with whom they work really committed to the project or to the plan and bring being loyal to others. You know, the thing about sixes is, is they, that questioning mind, you know, this is really can be a gift and a challenge uh, both for, for type six. You know, it's a, it's a gift in the sense of being able to see multiple angles of a situation and t- anticipating possible outcomes. I mean, I think that's a, an amazing thing to have on a team and as and a leader. Um, where it can be a challenge or a curse is, you know, when you when the plan changes because of what if. So if you notice, like, but what if that happens, and what if that happens, and then the plans change because of that. So that can become a real challenge in leadership. Um, you know, as we know that sixes mind goes to worst case thinking or worst case scenario. So decision making actually can be really thoughtful and thorough. Again, it's a great gift. We want to encourage sixes, though, to be intentional about also considering best case possibility. What, what's the best that could happen in terms of planning? Because they can get a little stuck in worst case thinking and um, it can it can remove the energy from a project or from the room. So really kind of shifting that sometimes and also noticing what's what are best case possibilities here as well uh, the sensitivity for type six is this need for certainty and predictability that's right at the core in order for things to go well and you know we're reminded that like when sixes are able to, um, Uh, sit in uncertainty or things for not to be predictable, like actually things they discover, oh, things actually can unfold just fine, right? So uh, being aware of that sensitivity and then also just feeling a sense of aloneness in a decision-making or out of the loop. That's another sensitivity for type sixes. You know, for six friends, we say, when you trust yourself, other people are drawn to that and they easily follow.
0: Oh, well, that's a nice reminder, Chris. Thank you. And one of our guests, uh, Bill Toth, a six, really emphasized the need for his own self-growth. Let's listen in and see how he talks about that.
2: I, I would say don't neglect the, the inner work and the self-work. Um, it's it's really, really easy for, because I've been a young person, um, <laughs> it's really easy for young people to neglect the inner work. Uh, it's It's not their natural inclination, particularly uh, you know, I was going to say particularly men, but I, I think men and women are, are like in that stage in life are out there to kind of conquer the world. It's a very external endeavor. You know, they're out there to make their place, to, you know, you know make a home, make a, a reputation, you know, these sorts of things. And, and, and the way that you uh, um, attack, maybe a good word, the way that you, that you attack that problem um, is, is from a, a young, young person's perspective. It's very external. And so I would say, as hard as it would be, don't neglect the inner work. Find the practices that you work on you because bringing your best self um, to, to your group, or the people that you lead or the people that you work with is the best thing you can possibly do for them. And it's the last thing they wanna deal with is um, are you bringing extra energies that are not helpful to that situation. I'm a leader of and a, and a manager of so, several people and have been for many years. And, you know, my gift to them is to work on myself.
1: You know, Sandra, I, I just so appreciate his awareness that the gift he can offer to those with whom he works is to work on himself. I mean, there are so many people in leadership who I haven't experienced that awareness and that commitment. And so, wow, I, as, as I think I might have said to Bill on that episode, I want to work for you.
0: <laughs> yes, it was a it was a nice moment. So let's look at type seven as leaders. And as we know, seven is a highly enthusiastic, high energy type. Um, Sometimes known as the visionaries of the Enneagram, they can see, they go to future positive possibilities and they can imagine what can be. Now there's a blind spot there about what may go wrong, but this positivity is, It can be playful, it can lighten the mood, and it can inspire the groups they lead. Their energy is upbeat, and they have a quick mind that creates and generates ideas and options. They're never stuck. There's always a way. They're very resourceful with their minds and tend to create a liveliness in the working environment. They're innovative, and that too creates excitement. Because sevens generate ideas quickly in meetings as they generate ideas, if they can make a list rather than naming the idea that comes up, list them. And then at the end of the meeting, offer your top three, because oftentimes sevens will overwhelm people with too many ideas. So if you can make a list and just offer the top three, that really works well focus on the solid business plan give attention to details and if details aren't your thing it's really helpful if you can make sure that someone is coming alongside the seven leader to attend to that again the challenge is what if just opposite of six so seven is going positive possibilities and may not realize some of the difficulties involved and may reframe to the positive and others think they're being dismissed. So watch the reframing there. Routine can be difficult for this type, and they have a tendency to delegate the routine or mundane task, even if it is theirs to do. So seven leaders need to pay attention to that and notice what you're delegating. So sensitivities for this type, one sensitivity they share with type five, which is the sensitivity of being seen as incompetent. And that can move them along too quickly or they start judging themselves or others. So it's not true. It's your sensitivity and illusion. The other sensitivity that plays out in leadership for seven is the sensitivity of being limited or confined. And even the present moment can seem confining unless they're really grounded. So those two sensitivities are good ones to be aware of for seven leaders. Now we enter into the body triad, the fairness-oriented types, eight, nine, and one. And for type eight, this is a type that's comfortable in leadership positions. They have uh, an energy for making things happen. Actually, it can be an addiction to make an impact or to making things happen. It's a very purpose-filled type of leader. They demand a great deal of themselves and oftentimes of others eights have a gift of grasping the big picture, generating ideas, and then breaking the big picture down into doable step-by-step plans in order to accomplish the goal. Strategies tend to be practical and clear. When eights trust employees, um, they give them a lot to do and back away. They have autonomy, but if trust isn't there, eight leaders tend to micromanage too much. Notice, if you're an eight leader, if micromanaging or giving too much autonomy is an issue. Eights are direct. For others, the directness can feel too abrupt. So that's one of the challenges for eight leaders. Soften the tone. Notice your intensity. This is an intensity type. And how do you know if you're an eight leader? If you're coming across too intensely, what tells you that? Remember to measure your impact. Eight leaders will want to include what-if thinkers on committees and in brainstorming sessions because one of the challenges for eight is their defense mechanism of denial, which has us, I'm an eight, we think we have all we need and we move ahead. And actually we need to be thinking things like from our four friends, why do I need that I don't have what's missing here? Or from our type six friends, the what-if thinkers. It's good to bring that in for eight leaders. Eights are confident leaders, and that brings forth confidence in others. And there are some sensitivities with type, and one is being dismissed or ignored by others. The other sensitivity is an inability to make an impact. And of course, we want to keep in mind that our presence is the greatest impact we can make.
1: Yeah, thanks, Sandra. Um, Echoes of that last one here, as we move into type nine in the body center. First, we'll start with some of the the, the strengths and gifts is that nines as leaders uh, are really uh, welcoming, uh, inclusive uh, folks who really create a harmonious working environment. Um, Because they prefer to lead by consensus, you know, there's this sense of like getting all the voices at the table, everybody being heard. Nines are really great at uh, listening to people, uh, seeing their viewpoints as valid, you know, being able to see from multiple perspectives. So, people that work with nines feel really heard and really seen. And that's one of the gifts that they bring. There's a steadiness and a calm demeanor, certainly on the outside. And nines tell us sometimes it's not so much always on the inside, but on the outside, that allows others to feel supported by nine leaders. Um, Nines are actually great at presenting the larger vision of an organization, like what it's about, what it stands for, because they can be the storyteller. You know, they nines can tell great stories and be the storyteller for the organization or the team or the group that they're a part of. When nines are able to take time to think through plans, think through projects, think through problems. They bring an amazing clarity and thoroughness in a way that people can really understand the direction of the work. And nines are of course incredibly open to input and hearing from other people. Uh, where some challenges come in for nines can be in decision making you know because of that gift of seeing multiple perspectives then coming down to a decision can be hard uh, and I've already said you know clarity can be part of the gift and also it can be a challenge when nines don't take that time to sort of see the big picture uh, it can be hard to come to clarity and so that that might be a challenge as well um, the sensitivity here for nines is this fear of conflict you know that as we know that actually when we engage conflict that actually brings about connection, it brings about more information so that we can lead. But there's that sensitivity to avoiding conflict and fear and also discomfort, and that can be really challenging for them. And similar to what uh, you were saying, Sandra, for the eight, this again, as a body centered type, this feeling of being dismissed or overlooked or ignored is another sensitivity for type nine. So, and then we shift to type one, the last of our body center types. And these are folks who are exemplars in of themselves, right? They lead by being a good example. They're professional. Um, they work hard, they're polite. You know, they, they set that example for others. Uh, they really are wonderful at setting goals, uh, scheduling what needs to be done and getting it done. Having really high standards really sets the tone for a workplace that is task-oriented, doing it on time, being effective. It's an amazing gift there. Again, that need and desire for order uh, allows the the ones to lead as an organizer, working with details, uh, dedicating themselves to the results to, uh, to get what they really want. Um, they can, you know, one of the challenges is they can get bogged down in the details, and particularly as leaders, they can uh, get involved in details that are um, not in their sort of scope of work, and so that can be a challenge. They have to learn to back out of those details a bit and learn to trust those that are working with them and for them. Um, you know, uh, ones also are have, have to be mindful of any judgment that might come about. Um, you know, criticism, again, thinking about the inner critic that the one has going inward, that can sometimes go outward. And so working with others, being mindful as you approach a task that isn't maybe done quite to your high standards, um, you know, uh, ones need to be paying attention to and mitigating some of that judgment. And also that that intense drive and that energy to get the work done uh, can sometimes be rigid. And um, it can leave out a sense of pleasure or play, uh, playfulness in work. And so that's something for ones to be, uh, to be mindful about as well. Sensitivities for type 1 is being seen as irresponsible. It's a real, real sensitive place for them. And this fear of being wrong or being inappropriate or, or doing something wrong. Um, so just be mindful of those places that are sensitive, uh, we say to our 1 friends.
0: And one of our type one guests, Beth Salwin from Climate Interactive, talks about uh, this sense in her body when she's getting a notion that she's feeling resentful. Let's listen in.
2: When I feel resentful about something, it means that I have a need that I'm not meeting or not finding a way to meet. Um, And for me, I, uh, I have to also learn like what resentful feels like in my body, uh, cause it, it's not really a cognitive thing but I'm like, oh, that my shoulders are clenched my jaw is hurting, you know what? It's probably different for everyone but those are some of the indications for me. Um, you know, so I'm resentful cause someone else seems to be having fun and taking things lightly. Well, maybe I need to actually back off and take something lightly.
1: I so appreciate Sandra uh, this this recognition of what resentment feels like. I mean, if it, if we can all of us, right, tune into our bodies, it gives us such rich information in terms of how we are leaders uh, in multiple contexts. <laughs> I think about like all of these gifts and challenges and sensitivities of the nine types. It just reminds me that, you know, every type uh, can be a leader, right? We, and and our leaders and lead in all kinds of gifted ways. And of course, there are ways we have to be mindful about that. We sometimes think, oh, only certain types make good leaders. And that's, we know that's just not true. I'm so appreciative of laying out this way that every type can be a really effective leader.
0: And I also am so grateful to our guests, many of whom talked about the body meditation presence, their own personal growth Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, these are things we cultivate. It's not necessarily read in a leadership book, but to have that moment of coming to the cushion, as Bill said, or grounding practices. I was so impressed with that. Yeah,
1: me too. You know, Sandra, as we, uh, come to the end of this particular season, season six of Heart of the Enneagram, we also want to tell our listeners that we're coming to the end of the podcast. This is our final season.
0: It's it's a bit sad, isn't it, Chris? We've had such a grand time and in reminiscing with you, we have laughed, we have cried in episodes, um, and we've debated, is, this, is it time to, to close? Do we do another? But For both of us, and this has happened often with us, we are in sync in that, yes, it's time and other things call.
1: That's right. And, you know, when we set out to do this work, um, really four years ago is when we began this project. And we really set out to create a podcast that would do the deep work of the gift of this Enneagram system and really kind of delving deep. And, and, and I think we've really done an amazing job greatly, not so much about us, but really because of the amazing guests that we've had, who've really been able to share of the depth of their wisdom and experience to help us really understand the type and and to really move away from stereotypes and memes of what the types are. And so I'm so glad we decided to do this work and i feel like we we've, we've been able to do what we set out to do.
0: Yes. For me with this enneagram map, Chris, i i continue to ask myself who do i who am i beyond who i think i am? And if we only stay in the confines of type, the box of this ego structure and patterns, then we die small. And we don't live fully our lives. And it's been a beautiful journey with you because not only do we get to be together on this podcast, but we get to have these conversations before and after where we grow ourselves. And I'm grateful for that, Chris. And of course, this was your idea. Many moons ago, you came to Asheville and said, have coffee with me. I have a, have a question for you because <laughs> I would never have done this without you. So thank you, my friend.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Sandra. And, and thank you for your yes. Um, you know, I may have shared this story before, but just the memory of, you know, you saying, I was saying, you know, think about it, Sandra, I'm just going to offer this idea. And the energy of coming back and me was like, I want to tackle you, which is how <laughs> I know there's a yes here. So I'm so appreciative for your yes and um, for the great collaboration of this project. Um, I've learned so much and just filled with gratitude. So thank you.
0: Me too, Chris. And let's, let's think of some highlights. What are the times you remember the most about our journey together with this podcast?
1: Yeah. Well, I was thinking about, you know, we recorded seasons one and two um, all together before releasing them. And season one was, you know, ex- examples of all the nine types and then we did the spiritual growth. And I'm, I particularly remember, and you and I've shared this with one another Many times, Sandra, but the the we actually re-recorded uh, our episode on spirituality and the enneagram, and, and it was a the conversation we had in my home uh, was just a sacred moment of recognition of for us how this system is deeply rooted in the spiritual and how our, our commitment to that. And I felt connected to you, and I felt like there was a, a it was a transcendent moment, and that's one that stands out for me.
0: It's true, we both see this as a spiritual tool. And both of us have as priority in our lives, spiritual growth, we named that to each other that day. And it just enhanced and enriched this journey. Uh, Chris, the first episode we recorded with Drew Jones, that was such a learning moment for me. And he was such fun and so positive and affirming of us. (laughs) I can't imagine beginning with anyone but Drew um, I just I just giggle when I think of that.
1: Oh, me too. And I, you know, it's appropriate that he is—he is the only guest we've had who's who's appeared twice, right, in our podcast once in season one and then once here in season six talking about leadership. But he really did teach us a lot in that initial meeting. I'm grateful for triggering yes. that.
0: And in addition to laughter, boy, I remember our tears flowing. An episode, I think it's season three in relationship when Jeff and Tamara just really talked about their relationship, and each got vulnerable with the other. And whether it was clear to listeners or not, because we did have to edit out a few sniffles, it was a beautiful moment. And so there've been many of those where our hearts were truly touched by guests and tears flowed.
1: Oh, and I even remember my own tears when uh, Luther Smith was our guest last season in season five, talking about exemplars and kind of just realizing who he had been who he was in the world and now he had been that for me and been an example for me and a wisdom teacher for me. And it really moved me. And I was so, so touched by that, that moment. And you know, uh, Sandra, it, this doesn't mean the end of our work in the sense that you and I have amazing work that we're both involved in. And, you know, I will continue to uh, teach for the Narrative Enneagram, which I'm really grateful to do. And then we'll be offering uh, workshops and, and uh, like you, uh, spiritual direction. And so those who want to learn more about my work can visit my website, illuminatingpaths.com.
0: Yes, Chris, and as you say, we both do spiritual direction and public workshops. I do a lot of team building and staff training with the Enneagram, and my work and my sort of philosophy about this is on my website, which is events.com.
1: So we're not going away, folks. We're going to still be out there. (laughs) And I imagine, Sandra, that uh, we will find other ways to partner in other adventures in the future. No
0: doubt about it, Chris. So with heartfelt gratitude, I'm Sandra.
1: And I'm Chris.
0: And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is.
1: We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including the Wake Forest University Program for Leadership and Character, for their financial and institutional support, for Sally and Morris, who created our theme music, and for Logan Greenholm, who provided website support.
0: And great gratitude to Eric Murl for his quality editing expertise. Special thanks to the Narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders and certainly great appreciation to all of our guests.
1: For more information about this podcast and how to get a copy of our book that served as a companion for deepening personal and spiritual growth, visit heartoftheenniogram.com.
0: In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.
1: As we go, um, I, uh, what do I wanna say? (laughs) <laughs> with heartfelt gratitude. I'm Chris Copeland.
0: And I'm Sandra Smith.
1: And we invite you to continue. We invite you to continue.
0: <laughs> I don't know what we say. Something about lovingly and courageously what is. Looking at.
1: <laughs> Let's try that again. Uh, and you actually, why don't you say heartfelt gratitude?
0: And with heartfelt growth. <laughs> and with heartfelt gratitude i'm sandra
1: and i'm chris and we invite you to continue looking taking a long and uh, (laughs) courageous and loving look at what is let's try it one more time
0: with heartfelt gratitude i'm sandra
1: and i'm chris and we invite you to continue to look at life If I to continue to look, take a loving
0: and gracious. <laughs> let me look at what it is. Yes, is you got it. That's okay. it. All God right. almighty. That's amazing. You've never done
1: I know. That. I like my brain I think just later in the out. day. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. So here we go. With heartfelt gratitude, I'm Sandra.
1: And I'm Chris. And we invite you to continue to love.
0: <laughs> I'm doing that part. Oh, my God.
1: you it doing this one. All right. So I'll start it. With heartfelt gratitude, I'm Chris.
0: And I'm Sandra. And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is.